bomb my papa's son wandering on a smoking gun Now some of you would live through me and light me up and throw away the key Or just find a place to hide away and hope that I'll just go away huh. Alright everybody, welcome back to Hardcore Troubadour. I'm Brian Wallace. And I'm Tyler Short, trying to find a page in the book. I'll give you some time to find that page. Tyler. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good to have you all back with us. Um, today we're going to be talking about I Feel Alright, um, which is a record that I got a lot to say about, um, and I know Tyler does too. But before we get into all that, Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Um, Would you say you feel all right? I feel, uh, no, I feel pretty bad, honestly. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I've, I'm going on, I'm going on like four weeks now of having to work on my, uh, on my singular off day that I usually get, which is Fuck. Fridays. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's come to my attention recently that the only way I get a day off is to do two days worth of work in a single day in order to then be able to not show up the next day. Um, and like I'm going to, I'm going to let my manager know about this next time I see her. <laughs> you absolutely should. As a union steward, I think it's your responsibility both for yourself and for the other workers yeah. who depend on you. We, but, um, yeah. we, we've, we've had a thing recently where they've cut, they've cut hours in every department Mm. And um, one of our managers said, just work faster. <laughs> right. So they, they still expect the same output, but they're just, we'll be paying you for fewer hours. Is that? It never occurred to me to work faster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's good. Hey, that's the kind of management that you can only learn in business school. You know, oh, yeah. like, yeah, uh -huh. just tell them to work faster. Just don't. tell them to work faster. Yeah. That's, that's some like Elon Musk, big brain shit right there. It's, it's pretty neat. Wow. It's pretty neat. I, the fact that I haven't had an aneurysm yet is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Fuck, man. Oh, but, uh, how, was, how was Florida? Yo, it was great. I mean, you know, it's uh, the greater context, obviously, of DeSantis land and everything that comes with the, um, it being an, exp I, I can't, I want to give credit to the journalist I saw write this, but, you know, it's sort of like the, experimental lab for fascism in the rest of America. You know, let's try out the wildest shit here, see what people will put up with. Um, but from a pure, like, hanging out standpoint, it was great. Got to spend a couple of days with uh, my wife and my son um, together, and he fucking loves the beach. He loves the water. He loves to Was that his stand. first time at a at a at a real beach, not a New York beach? No, he's, we took him to Puerto Rico when he was a tiny baby um okay. and but couldn't even walk yet, yeah you know so he liked it but he was kind of like you know he couldn't do anything without us like we'd carry him somewhere and like plop him down and like give mm -hmm. him a little shovel or whatever to play with sand so this was his first time since he could like walk and talk and kind of express interest um and he loved it he didn't want to leave um so it's it's good yeah because it is i mean i love new york but the beaches here aren't great and they're only usable for a few months out of the year anyway. Um, so yeah, Miami beach was super nice. Um, and then the week before that, it's been a minute since we've talked. Um, I got to see a killer show here. It was 
um, Drug Church, Fiddlehead, and Angel Dust. Um, oh, doing, I forgot about those shows. Yeah. I mean, as expected, was just like fantastic. Um, and I understood, I, I love deeply all three of those bands. But I just got to say, I think Drug Church is on another level right now. Um, they headlined the New York show. My understanding was that for the Brockton and Baltimore shows, they were kind of like switching it up because mm-hmm. they were just doing that weekend together, um, which totally makes sense based on, you know, every band is a headliner, you know, and all that. But man, I would I would hate to play after Drug Church in any context. Um, yeah, no, they uh, they sound so good. They sound so good. And the show ran very late, which for like a large show and kind of like a, you know, pre-ticketed show in a big venue is pretty rare. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I had, you know, shit early the next day, but like didn't even matter. Like I was so stoked to be there. Um, Every band was fantastic. Fiddle had played uh, maybe more, but at least one new song that's going to be on the new LP um, coming out later this year. It was great. Um, Yeah. So nothing but good things to say about that. Like it was a, it was a big show, but also like, you know, it was at a place called the Brooklyn Monarch, which is a newer club. It's where Trapped Under Ice played just like a few weeks before. Um, So it's actually great for our hardcore shows, like no, for bigger shows, no barricade, uh, but awesome. still, still a very large room. Um, so they can fit a lot of people in there and it still doesn't feel like suffocating, um, like it does in some other venues. So it was are a great you, time. uh, are you an angel dust guy at all? I am. I would say like, if I'm being honest, they're, they're my least favorite of those three bands, but I think mm-hmm. that's, that's less, that's more of a testament to how much I love fiddlehead and drug church. Mm-hmm. Um, when angel dust hits with me, I fucking love it they've got some stuff that doesn't all hit with me. So that's, that's kind of my, how I'd share it. I like the record that everybody hates. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which one does everybody hate? I think everybody hates pretty buff. And I like that. Mm. I like some songs off that record. To me, it reminds me of like, uh, when I was a kid and I loved Everclear. Mm. It's not, it's got that nineties. Like it does have like that, like pop grunge sort of thing going to it. Like it reminds me of like sparkling fade era. uh, Dude. Everclear. Everclear is a great band. Dude, I still a big big fan. I know I feel like I've seen you wear an Everclear shirt before. Is that I do have an Everclear have... shirt. Yes, I do. I had to I was having a discussion with someone at a show several months ago, and they didn't believe me because we somehow I think somebody at the show had a bleached goatee. And when I see that, I start thinking about art oh, Alexakis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> and so Obviously, I mean, you can, these are the kinds of conversations I engage in regularly. If I mention Art Alexakis, we're going to start talking about Everclear and like songs and stuff. And I mentioned just like in passing, I was like, remember that song where the chorus was like me and my black girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Um, Heart spark dollar sign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this person, you know, kind of like knew, I guess, some of the bigger hits, right? But was mm-hmm. like, no, they didn't. He had us, and I was like, yeah, dude, that was like, that song played on the radio. That was a, you know, not nearly um, as popular as like, you know, the bigger hits, but I was, was like- no Santa Monica, but- It was yeah. no Santa Monica. I was like, <laughs> I was like, why am I, can I only think Malibu 
the other California coastal <laughs> town, but I was like, no, that's whole. Um, also a great song, but not as good as Santa Monica. Um, anyway. Um, and so I had to like pull it up on my phone and be like, no, yeah, this read this. Um, and then that also led to a like discussion about like art. Alexakis actually wrote a lot of autobiographical lyrics about oh, like, yeah. growing up as like the poor, like weirdo white Greek kid. Um, where he did so um shout out everclear we shout out you. everclear yeah <laughs> and shout and out they, angel dust man right on i can totally hear that comparison um and yeah i mean speaking of uh speaking of everclear and in, in the 90s that is when this record comes out what a brilliant segue yeah um, i've got some things to say about steve's life around this time let's talk about it so yeah setting the stage this is this is 96 right yes and i wonder like, well, Tyler, I want to hear, you know, everything you've got to share. But in my mind, it's interesting, like, as I was preparing for to talk about this, like Train of Coming was like officially the comeback record, right? Yes. But in a way, to me, I feel all right feels like even more of a comeback record because this is the first one of all like original material, material that's new, yep. right? So like, yes, Train of Coming is a comeback record. Don't want to take anything from that, clearly. But this is the first one of all new material, right? And he's going electric. Yeah. and is where he thrives. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. So um, tell me, tell me, I mean, I know you've been reading and I know you've got uh, an awesome forward from the LP, like set this up for us. Let's talk about I Feel All Right. So some things that, that happened around this time, and these are two things we're going to get to in the future, because one of the things that happened around this time is he was commissioned to write the song for Dead Man Walking by Tim Robbins, mm -hmm. the song Ellis Unit One, which I've still not heard. But mm. you've told me ahead of time that this, the next episode that you will hear, he plays this song in that live set. Yes. So we'll be able to have a discussion about it on there. Right on. Um, and I'm going to honestly hold off on listening to even the actual version of this until we do sidetracks eventually, because I want to be able to soak in this new one without having any like preconceived notion of how the song was recorded originally. And I'll I be appreciate able to, that. to go in fresh whenever we get around to sidetracks. And another thing that, I, I hope for us to cover at some point is the Bluebird Cafe show with Townsend Guy Clark. Mm -hmm. That um that occurred around this time, but the CD didn't come out until later. And man, I'm realizing now none of these releases got vinyl releases until years later. And that one never did. Never. Never did just CD. Just CD. Yeah. Is it hard this, is it I hard to find? Say, um, no, I mean, you can find it on Discogs easy, but mm. like, I don't fucking collect CDs, so I'm not, I don't, right. don't want to fucking, I might buy it for my dad or some shit. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, the, the copy I have of, I feel all right. was like 2014 pressing. Mm -hmm. So like that shit took years for somebody to think to put this on vinyl. Yeah. And I'm realizing a lot of this time period, like I've been looking for things that I like from like 94 to 98 none of it's on vinyl. Well, maybe it's because, I, I, you know, somebody might know better than me because I'm definitely not an expert uh, on anything really, but I feel like outside of the hardcore punk world, 
especially in that time period in the 90s, like it's not surprising to me to know that there weren't vinyl releases for a lot oh, of Oh yeah. Things. I mean, now now that yeah. I know it's not surprising, but I'm like, damn, nobody in that time period. I was telling Ashton the other day, I was like, as a person with a a record label, I'm I'm tempted to send some emails. I mean, that might be worth your time, honestly. Like I We're don't still... even make money off of this shit. I just would like to to exist. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of other people would too. Um, but I think in that time period in particular, when you know, CDs had finally moved from the thing that you just had if you were rich mm -hmm. into being like the more normal, accessible form of media, like over cassettes, right? I think especially things on a major label. Um, but I, you know, I feel like we're just so as hardcore kids, we're so accustomed to like vinyl being the primary like mm -hmm. driver, right? Um, through everything, through CDs, through like through streaming, everything like that. But um, it's sad, but totally unsurprising to me that a lot of these things didn't get a release on vinyl originally. And like you said, in many cases, it was either 20 years later or never that they actually got it, you know? Also insane to imagine a time when CDs were the thing you you had because you had the money for it. Cassettes were the thing that you Dude, had easy access to. That's when... When I started listening to music, like and, and choosing my own things, that's what it was. Like the, I feel like I had only seen a CD player like at the store. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like at fucking Circuit City or whatever. And it was you know eight hundred dollars or some shit. And it was the the era of the like long boxes. If you yeah. remember the like you know just totally wasteful long box. Um, and so it would be like, we'd look at the CDs and think about like, man, it's cool. It's cool that it's like that. It's cool that you can pick tracks like you could on vinyl. Um, but all I have is a tape player. So we're buying tapes um, and tapes is what we can afford too. And then just seeing that transition, um, like so many other things from like, I feel like the first Christmas I got a disc man, I know my mom fucking sacrificed to buy me that thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, man, it was so crazy. It was probably it became $30 things. Totally. It, it, it might've been two, two years later that it was like, you could get one so cheap. Um, but yeah. And I, I mean, the good news is I use that thing fucking forever. Cause even well into the early two thousands, I drove a car that didn't have, a CD player. We've so. talked about your, your, yeah. your, your, your skip, your, your, uh, skip protection. <laughs> Anti uh, skip protection. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, man, it didn't, I mean, I think the, even the, the greatest skip protection technology that Sony could come up with at the time was no match for the suspension on an 85 Mercury Topaz. So, um, we did what we could. Um, but yeah, I don't know how we got, so oh yeah. So, we were talking about Bluebird Vin Cafe. Yeah, Bluebird Cafe. So wait, yeah, I'm understanding um, you right. There's no vinyl release, period. No vinyl release, but it was LDB's a, uh, putting it out, dude. It's happening. Dude, that would be that would be incredible. But uh but yeah, it was a a benefit for an interfaith dental clinic um organized by Guy Clark's wife, Susanna, which we who we've talked about. Yep. In uh in um the last episode that people would have heard, which would be Heartworn Highways, I believe. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um it's crazy. We're actually recording these things in chronological order of uh, them 
coming out now. So when we talk about things, it won't be bouncing around. Right. But yeah, there's a few things regarding uh, I Feel All Right, though. Richard Bennett, who was um, producer on Guitar Town and Exit Zero, Mm -hmm. he comes back into the mix. And we've talked about this before, how he kind of felt slighted because he wanted to be the producer, not a co-producer. Right. And he got stuck as a co-producer. Well, he's back again as a co-producer on this record. Because this record's a peculiarity. It uh, is basically two different records smashed into one. Mm. He produces a little over half the tracks. And then this guy, Richard Dodd, um, produces the others. He produces kind of more of the, um, I don't know, like, I guess, softer songs, I would call them. Yeah. Is what he what he had a hand in. Um, But... um, yeah, Dodd was he got he got to choose which songs he wanted also, and Bennett got kind of stuck with the rest of them. Which I mean, stuck with the rest of them. Two of my favorite Steve Earle songs are on this record, hmm. and Bennett had a hand in both of them. So, um, but yeah, so there's no Dukes on this record. It is, it is session players. Um, Bennett's playing, but Steve's also playing too because we talked about this on the hard way on exit zero and guitar town bennett did basically all the guitar tracking right and then it wasn't until the hard way that steve actually got to track his own guitar but on this record steve tracked guitar and so did bennett but yeah i feel like this that collaborative effect on this record is so much more magical totally and i agree about the collaborative effort and like you can hear it in a different way and if i'm not mistaken just through the the little bit of looking I did, none of the songs on this record have any co-written credits. Um, so it yeah, every song is every song is just Steve in terms yep. of writing credit. Um, which is just I think that creates an interesting dynamic because, like, you know, the producers that you know, the the Richards <laughs> that he's working with, right? <laughs> it just creates a, a different kind of like vibe, I guess, when it's like <clears throat> they're all Steve's songs and they're helping him like craft them and turn them him and turn them into, you know, the final recorded product that we would see, but nobody played a role in co-writing music or lyrics um, on the record. Yeah, no, that is really interesting. Also literally been read all about these guys. Didn't click until you just said Richards. <laughs> Both How? of them. Yeah. That had to have been a fun time for, trying to organize and reverse I know the two dicks <laughs> what was going on <laughs> or maybe one of them was dick or one of them was richie who knows there's so I many bet they, i bet they i bet they use last name monikers um you're probably but right. uh but yeah so uh dodd though he um he engineered carl douglas kung fu fighting no shit a L- little bit of uh of shinfo on him and he did the first traveling wilburys record as well wow. as tom petty wildflowers Dude. And Echo, which is not not as much of a a record for me, but Wildflowers is my favorite Tom Petty record. Dude, Wildflowers, like, ugh. I mean, yeah, one of my favorite records. Period. Yeah. Not just Tom Petty. That's, yeah, we got um, to talk about Tom Petty. We do. Right? I mean, that you, we, know, you we, wanted to, and we we need to get a we need to find a place. We will. Wildflowers. Um, we played at my stepdad's funeral, man. So that's like, oof, chills every time. But it's just that fucking good of a song and record. Um, 
That's and wild. Then, Those are some killer credits. Yes. And then I've got a, I've got a testimonial from Dodd speaking on working with Steve in here. And, um, it made me laugh. So, uh, so yeah. So, um, when asked what he likes about producing Dodd answers with a tart, not very much. He endures it. He says, cause he's drawn to the challenge. If I don't do it, somebody else will, and they'll do it wrong. It's a way for me to contribute, uh, hopefully helping someone fulfill something. I was about to say vision, but I don't think that's right. There's been a few occasions, not many to be honest, when I've had a moment when I know what the end product's going to sound like before I even start. Funny enough, one of them was working with Steve Earle. He played me a song and I knew how it was going to sound. In fact, I said to him, I'll do it if you let me do it exactly the way I want to do it. And he said, yeah. And wow. then, uh, so... <laughs> There's um there's a little bit more to um to like to that too with um yeah, sorry. Finding the other spot. Sorry for this uh, great um Okay, second paragraph. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um this is him talking about Steve. He says, Oh my god, he just come out of prison. He looked dreadful. He was very large, with a huge growth growing out of one of his arms, left arm, I think about the size of a baseball, teeth going every which way, what teeth he had. Um, he sat across from me in the interview. I suppose it is what it is. He interviewed me and I interviewed him. Both his legs were going at different times, shaking and everything with a Diet Coke in his hand, saying how he was completely cured of drugs and in control of everything. He looked like an accident waiting to happen, and I was desperate to get out of there. I didn't want anything to do with him. I don't like the drug thing, and I'm not that deeply rock and roll. I've been around it. I've just chosen not to be a part of it. It was a relief when he said, can I play you something? So I thought, yeah, I can listen to some music and say I don't like it or I'm not the right person and then leave. After hearing some demos Steve had put to tape, Dodd was impressed and had almost to the point of speechlessness, but suspicious too, given re uh, Steve's recent history. When did mm -hmm. you record these demos? He asked. Are they 10 years when ago when you were straight? Said I did them uh, a little while back since I've been out, Steve answered. Uh, Dodd says I kind of beat him up in a way. I'll do that one. I'll do that one. And uh, like him, like basically telling him which one he'll pick and which ones he won't. And then um, he was like, yeah, maybe I'll do these three. And then Steve's, uh, Steve basically talked him into doing four. That's amazing. I just, yeah. I love it. It's just amazing to think like he, they had to like argue about like Steve wanted to work with this right. guy that much that he was like at this point, like willing to compromise. Totally. Well, and just, I mean, the, the the most vulnerable he had been in his career and, you know, arguably his life, right, at that point, too. I mean, I that was quite a, the, the visual image, though, that he created with those words of, like, how Steve looked and what it was like being there. And the fact that, like, he had, was just dead set on, I got to get out of here, I got to get away from this guy. But the songs were that damn good that even though he begrudgingly agreed just to do a few, he was clearly so compelled that even though he could have easily been like, man, I should not be anywhere near this dude. He was like, yeah, oh, okay, I'll do these. You know, yeah. like that's how good the demos were. Right. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's how fucking good this record is, man. Yeah. It's, it's great. Um, dude, Tyler, thanks for sharing that. And also, um, before we start diving into the songs, um, what does Steve have to say about the record? Or you got something one, else? One more thing before we get into this. Yeah. This is when the art changes. Ah, yes. 
Okay. We get Tony, Tony Fitzpatrick. I looked into him a good amount. Um, in like he's just like a tattoo. He's just a tattooer, and Steve, I guess, liked his art. And this is the start of Tony. Tony Fitzpatrick does the art for this record, and he is still doing the art for every Steve Earle record to this day. Yeah. Every single one of them. This is where that aesthetic started, where I could see something even without a single word of text on it and be like, oh, that's Steve Earle album art. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, And this, I think, might be one of the reasons why this record is so like important to me mm-hmm. is just because I visually associate this yeah. style now with him. That and makes I love the art so much in all of these records. Like this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start collecting those records was just to have that art to be tangible in my hands. It's amazing to think about too. Like we haven't spent tons and tons of time talking about artwork. Right. But like, you know, Copperhead Road's iconic because of, you know, that logo. Because right? of what it is. Yeah. Got a tattooed but, on my arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it stands out because of all the other studio albums up to this point. Um, they're kind of throwaways. You know what I mean? Like the, it, it speaks to how much, like how great the albums are, but yeah, like dude, the, the, the cover of, train to come and take away the cigarette and it looks like a like you know contemporary christian singer songwriter cd that you'd find at the mall in the 90s right um and there's just a year before this one too yeah so that it that that is you know the, the change in aesthetic and sort of like steve finding this artist say that say his name again uh tony fitzpatrick tony fitzpatrick um who could create these like striking visuals that like over all this time they're very different but they're so thematically similar mm-hmm. right um that means a lot i really appreciate you mentioned that and it's just got um, like such a, like a southwest like vibe yeah. to it that like mm-hmm. i think works so well with all that and even this one's like weird because it you know there's no text on this one mm-hmm. it's just a it's just a painting but it's just i like even looking at it i was like damn, this one looks different than the other ones, but I know that this is like, I can tell that this is like congruent artwork. Totally. Yes. Love it. Uh, But yeah, but getting into what he wrote about this one. Now it says, sorry, goddamn, the fact that I'm dealing with a gatefold right now and trying to not like (laughs) put it in front of the microphone, but also like you're just going to like look at the album art while I'm... Our listeners won't be able to see. He Tyler initially presented it like he was an elementary school teacher about to do. I was showing the class. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. So it um it says um perspective. When I was locked up, I was getting ready to go off on this boy that stole my radio. My partner Paul asked me where I was going. I said to get my radio and then to go to the hole for a little while. He looked at me like I look at my thirteen year old sometimes and said, "No, you ain't." You're going to sit your little white ass down and do your little time. And then you're going to go out here and make me a record. So I made two. Fuck. Paul, thank Paul. you. Right. But Paul, thank you for fucking keeping him from getting himself hurt, getting himself more time, whatever would have happened, you know, mm-hmm. as a result of that. Fuck. Shout and out man, Paul. I can relate to that so much because like every time I've been to jail, Everyone I talk to in jail either 
couldn't believe I I got locked up for what I got locked up for, <laughs> which was trespassing the first time. Everyone mm-hmm. would said like, even like a uh, a um, a guy who had been on a robbery spree the night before. Um, when we told him why we were in jail, he said, "You can get locked up for that." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, like, as as the person who every time I've been in jail, I've been treated like I didn't belong there by everybody there, but not in a way that like. I felt threatened in a way that they were like, wait, you obviously shouldn't be in here. Like they didn't even argue that they should, shouldn't be in there. Yeah, man. That's a, a good lot thing. of them knew they'd done something wrong, but they couldn't believe that what I had done got me in, in, in the same room. Dude, there's people, yeah. there's thank God for the people looking out for us, man. Straight up. Um, yeah. Yeah. dude. Straight up. I, we, I hung out with that, uh, that, um, that, that robber all night long and he, we played checkers on the, uh, on the table that had a checkerboard scraped into it with something. I don't know what, but, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was an interesting night. Yeah. You got to do what you can to pass the time, man. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I hope, uh, I don't guess we'll ever know what happened to Paul, but I hope he turned out. Okay, man. I hope so Um, too. Or if he's, if he's still with us, I hope he's free. And if he's not, I hope he died free. So, um, right on. I did not know that, but, yeah, so I made him too. Fuck yes, so I made dude. him too. Back to back years. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Steve. And now you can get as many radios as you want, brother. It's okay, <laughs> dude. So, um, yeah, this is. I mean, we say this every time to the point where it becomes cliched. We're we're excited about all these records, or else we wouldn't be doing this. Um, but I think in particular, I feel all right as one. Um, we've been excited to talk about. I mean, hell, our uh, our namesake song, our namesake is, is on the song, is on, on this record. record as well, which we'll get to very shortly. Um, but are you, uh, Tyler? What do you say we we jump on in? Let's get into these songs, man. All right. So we start with the title track. I feel all right. Um, what a just the the things that I come up with are there is like a swagger to this song, which is a not a word I'm like usually using, but it's like, um, cause you know, sometimes that can be corny, but mm-hmm. I don't think it, I don't think it's corny here. It's sort of something like, you know, like referring to the lyrics, sort of this, like some of you would live through me, then lock me up and throw away the key. Be careful what you wish for friend. Cause I've been to hell and now I'm back again. There's this little bit of like on train a coming. It was like, y'all please let me come back. Mm-hmm. And then, and I'll feel, and I feel all right. He was like, I'm back motherfuckers. Um, yeah. and that's, so what a perfect opener, both in terms of music and lyrics for this record. Yeah. I, I, I have a, might be my favorite opening track on any of his records. And, yeah. Uh, this is the first Steve track I fell in love with. And this is my favorite song on the record. Dude. Ah, I was, um, I was torn between this one and, um, cocaine cannot kill my pain is what, <laughs> what might be your favorites. And I hadn't, I hadn't found, um, just cause I know like you, you love the bluesy stuff that uh-huh. Steve does. I know. Um, and I hadn't made a final decision, but that, so, uh, I there's still can't. One, there's one song on this record that gives this song a run for its money. Okay. But well, this, try to think this song is so fucking perfect. 
it's Man. it's just it's just amazing every lyric in the song is so like incredibly delivered mm -hmm. the way like the strumming on the song is amazing like it just it pops it is um for for the fact that richard dodd picked the songs he wanted to do mm -hmm. and this is one that bennett got to do i can hear where a rock and roll guy produced this song totally totally because song rocks it fucking rocks and you could take the simplicity of that the the riff the burn down down you could make that low-key or honestly boring as shit mm -hmm. but when you combine the production that makes it rock and then steve's lyrics and the way he delivers the, the lyrics attitude. the attitude that's what takes what could otherwise be just a pretty like normal blues rock country rock riff and turn it into fucking just such a killer song that just grabs your attention right from the start. Yeah. And I mean, dude, there's so like, I mean, you can read all the lyrics to the song because it only takes a moment because it's, it's, there's not many, but I was born my papa's son, a wandering eye and a smoking gun. Like that's the first line of this record. Dude. Let's so go. Good. Let's fucking like, go. It's, it's fucking incredible. And the, my, my favorite lyric in the song is, uh, that I'll bring you precious contraband of ancient tales and or an ancient tales from distant lands of conquerors and concubines and conjurers from darker times. Betrayal and conspiracy, sacrilege and heresy. You know what? That's what I'm going to Steve Earl for every time. That's why Dude, I reach for Steve Earl. Totally. And I think it just developed like a, yeah. there's really like a fucking, I have actually been to hell now. Like, yeah. or something uh -huh. like I had been there in my mind before. And now my friends, I've been there also in my body and I'm, you know, I live to tell the tale. And so I'm maybe there's a little bit more of like, and I know you're coming to me for this. Um, like me or not, that's why I'm around, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I it's think there is, brilliant, dude. there is something too around like, you know, some of you would live through me then lock me up and throw away the key of like him being kind of aware of, I have something that people want, mm -hmm. but also a lot of those same people don't want shit to do with me. Yeah. I mean, person. he's got tons of people who counted him out. Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, not all of them unreasonably oh, <laughs> no. considering, you know, but then um, some of them just because they were, you know, corporate pricks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even going back to, you know, well before his problems had gotten way out of hand, right. The, the way that they wanted him to fit into a certain mold that he just mm -hmm. didn't. Um, there are people who thought the hard way sucked. I'm sorry, you're fucking wrong. You're fucking wrong. Um, Jesus, like, what an awful take. Um, did you uh, did you watch the music video for the song? Yes, it's great. Yeah, I think it's I great. love the 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 ad lib parts in it. Like when he talks about the harmonica for a second, even down to the just the moment of silence. Just what's up? What's up? <laughs> the beginning. Dude, for some reason, it felt very 90s to me, too. Oh, like it's so 90s. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, this type of music, most of which has nods to the past in it, like any kind mm -hmm. of Americana, you know, like yeah. country-infused things, you hear a lot of songs, and if it's if it weren't for differences in production quality, you couldn't tell if, if something was written or came out in which decade. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the way because, hell, there were songs written in the 70s that were recorded in the 90s on Train of Coming. I wouldn't have been able to tell you when it was written. Um, 
but the video for I feel all right. It, I just, I knew exactly when that was recorded and the way that it felt. And it wasn't because of the music. It was kind of because of the aesthetic and the way it was filmed and the way that Steve was talking. Yeah, no, um, I, I like the, the video definitely like it had like a playfulness to it as well mm -hmm. that like, like it didn't seem like it was taking itself seriously at all, which I think is so fun and interesting for like the fact that like this was him like coming back. Yeah from being away and just to think that he came back like that free and like unserious is just so, I don't know. It's so interesting and cool. Cause it's like, he's doing this on his terms whatsoever. And he doesn't care to be a success or, at all anymore. Like he just is lucky to be alive. Totally. I mean, that's the, it's the phrase like plan with house money comes to mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, the fact that I'm here and I'm, I'm still making music. I've already won. So yeah. whatever happens, happens from here. But yeah, um, no, it's uh, like, I will say like this record isn't in my top five. It is fucking close though. I can see that. And well, and I mean, especially knowing I was thinking Tyler with you mentioning that this is probably your favorite opening track. Um, I'm not sure if it's my favorite, but it's definitely up there. And maybe after I do like a go through comprehensive everything, it might be. Or if it, it's probably top three, if not number it one. It just rips, dude. Yeah, it rips. It rips. Every it's time I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, like this song still hits just as hard as it. So did. I mean, th this is what made me fall in love with them, man. That's amazing. Like this drew me in. It I it imprinted on me. It's one of the first Steve Earl songs I ever heard, and it's it's the one that made me like my dude dropped my jaw. It fucking rules. I love it. Yeah. Fuck man. Um. It's hard to come after that, you know, after such a killer opening track. But uh, next is Hardcore Troubadour, um, which, again, is the song that this fucking podcast is named after. And I'll tell you this, Tyler, like, I I love this song. I've loved it for a long time. I'm thinking about it differently now in light of Heartworn Highways. Um, because I think before I just kind of, you know, thought of the lyrics, you know, the visual Steve paints about like, you know, here's this dude showing up again, um, you know, late at night, knocking on your door, you're going to spend the night with him. He's going to sleep in your, you know, satin mm -hmm. sheets, and then he's going to move on. Um, and now I'm almost thinking about it differently now when it's like, think about the, the, someone being the last of the hardcore troubadours, right? And there being a little bit of this feeling of like, this is a dying art. Um, my, not everybody that I was doing this with in the seventies is even still around at this point. Or um, able to keep doing or, this. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. Or they've had to stop. And so I think before watching and really diving into Heartworn Highways, this is a song that I like thought was great musically and lyrically, but I don't think I'd ever kind of made the connections to, you know, it's not a, he, you know, he tells the story from the third person. Um, so it's like, you know, how much of this is like semi-autobiographical? How much of this is just about like thinking about the dudes that he came up yeah. with, right? Um, and both the ones that made a big splash and then the ones that like nobody had ever heard of this dude, but he ran around with his guitar doing his shit until 
he was gone. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, the wheels um, fell off. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, there's, there's a couple things from the book. Apparently there's a, there's a lifted lyric from, uh, Springsteen's Rosalita. Rosalita. Yeah. Yep. You didn't and, know that? Um, no, I didn't know <laughs> that. I didn't, didn't catch that. Well, it, it's one of, it's from one of the like first two records, mm -hmm. um, before, you know, we started talking with, um, Born to Run. Yeah. And it's from, I think the first album, um, which was off. Uh, See, now yeah, I guess go, I've got to, I've got, I've got to dig yeah. back further into Bruce's catalog because I've, well, I've kind of only ever had the records that we've talked about. The second record is from the Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. The first was Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, you see, I've heard that one before, and I don't yeah. think it it hits me as hard as Born to Run. Oh, it it's it's not as good at at all. <laughs> like to to be very clear, mm -hmm. um, and even then, yeah, I think I think Asbury Park is the better of the first two Springsteen records. It's so hard to be a saint in the city is one of my like favorite songs from that era. Sorry, I completely derailed you, but. Um, oh no, you're fine. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I the, brought it up in case you had more to say about it. The fact that he, the fact that Steve brought in that lyric and it's not even a, like it's, it's, he literally Rosalita, won't you come out tonight? Like that is, that's like the name of the song. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a little bit of a nod there too that like at his core, Bruce is one of us still, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like he's the most successful of us and has changed in a lot of ways over time. But like, you know, that's, that's a lyric. That's an attitude that only a fucking real ass troubadour could come up with, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, I love that nod. It's another reason why the song is, is great. And it's another, another example of a rocker that can be driven by an acoustic guitar too. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's the thing I've kind of come and gone on this song. Mm. Like I've liked it. And then I've thought it was like a little like silly. And then I've come back to it and been like, no, this song's really fucking good. And then I've come back and been like, mm, it just doesn't, doesn't hit as hard as the other songs. And then I think I'm at, I've settled in a place where I'm like, no, this song, this song is really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, man. And there's something too. I mean, we talk a lot about album order, right? I've, I've, I've never heard Steve do, I feel all right into hardcore troubadour back to back, but I really like the way that they work together. And I think they could be awesome live, you know, the, yeah, just, no, the way the acoustic kicks in after yeah, and the, uh, I feel all right. ends. yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's kind of, it's a cute song. It's cute, yeah. <clears throat> it's a, think, it's a, mm -hmm. and I think coming after such a ripper, sometimes it doesn't like, it. I doesn't, it doesn't mesh with me as easily. But now I'm like, I don't know, just at a point where like I think the song now might be because of this podcast too. It's just it's could be hitting me in a softer spot that it, it can't un unwedge itself now. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, there's a world where hardcore troubadour could be a very corny name maybe it is um but <laughs> i don't know just in the context of this song i think it really works really well and also you know just the fucking cleverness of us choosing that name because yeah, even clever. though yeah steve wasn't thinking about the genre of music <laughs> when he put hardcore into this title um but it works for us 
It definitely um, works for us. So it goes from this to more than I can do. And I mean, I'll just come out and say this. The first two tracks are amazing. This one is weaker, but still solid for me. Um, sequentially, something I noticed on this listen that in all the other times I'd listen, I don't think I'd really noticed before was how it's almost like thematically the lyrics are the same as hardcore troubadour, but it shifts from in on hardcore troubadour. Steve is like a third person narrator to in more than I can do. It's in the first person. Um, it's written from the eye perspective, um, which I just think is an interesting shift. And it did make me wonder if the like placement of this right after hardcore troubadour, like that was part of the thought process. Yeah. I don't know. That makes, that does make sense though. I'm trying to think right now looking at, cause this, I believe we're in like a grouping of songs mm. that Dodd did possibly too. But actually I think maybe God, the way they've got this on the fucking on the I'm gonna have to look in the book because the way they've got it in the uh in the 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 actual layout on the record, it's like way way more complicated to look at and harder on the eyes to figure out than um I will say, like, for me, this is, like, top of the heap as far as his love songs go. Mm. Like, I, because we we talked about this before, where he can kind of lose me sometimes on uh, on the love songs. And this, this for some reason, like, I, I hold this one in high regard. So this one is, yeah, we're in a two, three, and two, three, and four are all Dodd. Interesting. Okay. Yep. And it makes so that sense. It might yeah. be why these songs all flow together. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the, the love songs are, are rarely my favorites. Um, Same. And this one just hits me though. It's like, it's, it's definitely not a skipper, but mm -hmm. I think it, yeah. I, I mean, I said, I said what I have to say. I think it is a good song, but I, yeah, but this not as one is the first two. This one's the one where I thought to bring up how rad the harmonic on this record is. Totally. There are so many spots, and this is mm -hmm. one of them for sure. Yeah. No, for sure. So yeah. on to uh, Hurting Me, Hurting You. Yeah. Um, what's interesting here to me, I wrote, it's the first song in a while where the electric has been more upfront than the acoustic, even though it's not a rocker. Mm -hmm. um, it's slow and, and not much of a rocker. And... Um, I think this song is a little boring if um, really, yeah, I, I don't have a skipper on this record, but if there was one, this would be it. Hmm. I don't think I have a skipper on this record. Yeah. Do you, um, you like this song? I do like this song. Um, I, something from, uh, the book also the book I getting all this information from is the lives and music, Steve Earl, fearless heart outlaw poet. I realize I don't plug that. Mm, very yeah. often when we're, when we're talking about this um <clears throat> but um there's something mark stewart stacy earl's husband uh recalls this song being played for him along with another he couldn't pin down exactly but knew that they both landed on this record and this is like when steve is like going to like methadone clinics and stuff mm. and like mark was giving him rides to like try to keep him clean 
this yeah. is like a song where he like played him, which is an amazing like I like that I like this song because to me it's it's so where in Train of Coming there's um God, which song is it? It's the song about his, one of his one of his wives. Um the uh fuck, which one is it? Um Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um to me, this is a kind of in the same vein as a song like that, but it's really him like taking accountability. For, for sure. Like, the fact that like and coming to an understanding of like the way his behavior and hurting people around him really just hurt himself, mm-hmm. which I feel like is something only someone in recovery could come to and in like earnestness. Like totally. you, you could, you could in any other context of if he was still using and, um, and being, um, you know, an over overall terror, this song would almost feel like um, manipulative. Yes. But because he's been to hell and now he's back again, mm-hmm. it's it's more of like an ad- admission of guilt, which uh, which I like. I, I think it's cool. I think it's a really good blues track. Um, but um, yeah, I wrote, I think this song's a good conclusion of coming or coming to terms with songs like Fearless Heart or ain't never satisfied. Mm. And um, I really love the part where he starts like shooting straight in the song too, where he like kind of like breaks from singing, just like goes to like, like the, I know I hurt you, baby. Like, like when he starts like talking, I Dude, love I, it. I love I fucking, it. I fucking hate that, man. I, I love that shit. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Well, uh, no, I, I, you mentioning like, you know, it, it kind of being a nice like ending or cap to, to songs like fearless heart or ain't ever satisfied lyrically you know the content i agree um but musically it just feels like leagues below what those songs are and just doesn't... yeah you you though like like when we've talked about the, the blues stuff that he does you've got a a more critical ear for this stuff than i think i do i do I, and, you know, I've owned this. Deservedly, you, 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 you've earned it. Well, you're born with it. I, I, I think so. And I think there is a lot more bad blues out there than good. But as we'll talk about on some of the later tracks on this record, I've, I've, I've come around on a lot of it, um, for sure. This just isn't one of those tracks for me. Understandable. Yeah. Um, but right on, man. Well, let's go. Um, let's go to now. She's gone. And um, honestly, before we move on, if I'm looking at the whole track list, I agree. This is the weakest song in the record. Aha. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Even but I though, think it's just because I love the other songs. <laughs> I mean, I think that's true. Like I said, I, even <laughs> even as I'm like, you know, being dismissive about it, we've talked about songs on previous records that are like outright skippers for me. Like, I mm-hmm. hate this song. That's not this for me. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not skipping it. Um, so, I... I totally appreciate that. Um, I really like now she's gone. Um, Me too. And talking about, I mean, just that theme of like, sometimes we can't resist even the, the people who are really bad for us. And um, such an interesting main riff. And you mentioning harmonica on this one. Like I wrote harmonica down again for this one. Yeah, man. 
And on this one, like the organ and the harmonica, the way they like mm -hmm. play the lead together is so yeah. cool to me. Like I just geeked out on it, even just musically. So uh, really great song. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, it's, uh, um, this is in the, in the book that like these three songs are kind of like a love song trilogy. Mm. And like, of like, you know, being brokenhearted or you know left by uh like a hurting me hurting you doesn't feel like a love song yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel like a love song to it's me, more this, of a this, yeah yeah um, like you said it's an admission of guilt or like a confessional yeah. maybe but um yeah i think it's a it's a it's a classic little story it's uh it's very it's it's and i think also like growing up in you know the south like lots of arguments whether or not louisville's the midwest or the south or you know kentucky is certainly the south um growing up in the area of town that i grew up in i knew so many girls like this growing up that were just <laughs> totally fucking nuts like just wild children and um and they just not not concerned with sticking around with anybody in particular and i love and them. uh yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any relations with them. I just was friends with them and watched oh, them man. just be nuts. <laughs> Dude, I had a, I had a short period of life where like this is just boom, boom. Thankfully, like younger years when I, uh -huh. thankfully at a time where I didn't have that much they could take from me anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it could could have done a lot more damage uh, like fully in, as an adult. But I got a few few folks that I've lost touch with, and it would also like be funny too because like you know, why is straight edge Brian dating these party girls? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I like, dated, I dated party girls, but not, uh, none that stole my watch and chain or anything. <laughs> Your mistake was having a watch and chain. So yeah. if you just, <laughs> dude, but right. Uh, yeah, there is some, there, I find something very relatable about it too. And mm -hmm. even, or just the whole, like, yeah, man, she totally fucked me over. And um, yeah, if she called me right now, I would pick up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, very relatable. Um, and also there's something cool with that coming after hurting me, hurting you of like, they're just him. They're being able to be this acknowledgement of like, I've done some fucked up stuff, man. And, um, but even I've been, you know, there's, yeah. there's degrees to the shit. Even, even a person like me has had it pulled over on him before. You know what I mean? I mean, he um, uh, he talks about it in uh, in Ain't Ever Satisfied, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She like left me standing on the boulevard thinking about mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, we love Steve, but what? Seven marriages? Is that the total? I can't remember. It's six it's, or seven. That sounds right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it's uh, there, there's 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 no shortage of of life experiences to pull this type of material from i'll share yeah. that even uh -huh. at this point and and there's been even more since yeah um, and speaking of i feel like that going into poor boy that is uh is perfect yeah um the, these two songs back to back is excellent i really love it um and this is a little bit of the rockabilly coming back um and but, i told you there's a rockabilly song on the on the early tracks if you need a fool yeah there's DNA in this song from that song. 
I, I'm convinced. I think you're totally right. Um, I mean, I'll say this, like, this is a, to me, this is a fun song. Um, lyrically, what I'm finding here is in some of the earlier tracks on this record, and then in some of the later tracks that are coming up, I'm finding the like intensely quotable Steve Earle. You know, the ones mm-hmm. where like there oh, are lines, yeah. there are lines that stop me in my tracks or like, mm-hmm. I got to write that down. I got to rewind and listen to that again. This one doesn't have that for me, but it, it doesn't take away, I think, from me thinking like it's a good song. Um, but it doesn't make me feel like there's anything super special here. Um, I love the way he says po' boy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's how he talks. It's his authentic, you know, sort of you know, Texas to Tennessee accent. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it, to me, it's like falls into the category of like good fun track, but not one of my most memorable ones. Oh no. I mean, it's like, it's not making the playlist, but it's not getting skipped either. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, you got anything else on that one? No, not really. Well, let's go to Valentine's day. Um, my take on this one, and I'm I'm curious where you're at with it, is I think this is a simple but beautiful love song. And I think it would be better <clears throat> if it was just Steve and an acoustic guitar. Um Ooh. the the strings on this song are a little over the top for me. Um I just think I just think they're not necessary. Um there's some big string parts in this one. And, you know, not like country bluegrass fiddle, like orchestra strings. Um, and I might be crazy, but in some of the deep, like deep bass backup vocals on this one, it almost sounds like one of these motherfuckers is doing like Mongolian throat singing underneath. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Steve, Steve's doing this beautiful part. And then you hear like, um, like coming in under it. And it, I just think it. I think this is a good track and I think it would be even better if just Steve and the guitar were shining. I don't need all the extras. Yeah, I can kind of hear that. Um, there's a little bit of background too. So the um, the Fairfield singers are featured on this song. So that's who that's who I have to blame for that. Yes, that's who you have to blame. Um, so basically like they didn't do this like they didn't record on things like this, but like Dodd wanted them on it. So you can blame him too. Um, <laughs> and it had like a little bit of trouble, like explaining to them and like communicating to them, like what to do. I think also like it, like apparently this song like took a really long time of the day to record. Like they had like a specific like time breakdown of every, how everything was supposed to go for the day. And it got completely all fucked up, like r- around every corner. But um, so it seems there was wow. commu- some communication problem between Dodd and the Fairfield singers and their musical director um, understood what Dodd wanted, which is just as well, because I couldn't understand a word they said. They were lovely. They were suspicious of this little English white boy telling them what to do. I must admit, at the time, mentally, I settled for what they gave me as their interpretation of what I asked for. I later found out that they knew better. I thought that they were just ignoring exactly what I wanted and doing what they could do, but they were doing what they do do, which was the right thing. So cheers to them. Um, but on uh, uh, in in talking about this song and 
fearless heart as well. Uh, Richard Bennett uh, apparently said that pretty much well sums up the story of Steve Earle's school of romance. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Get against the lyrics. Like, yes. Like shit. I totally forgot about Valentine's day. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, it, it is interesting. Like you can interpret it. It's all about context and perspective, right? Like there's one dude doing this and it's like, you fucking selfish dickhead. Like, you know, how are, how are you forgetting this? And then there's another where it's like, you know what? It's, it's so pathetic that it's sweet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is, I, I gotta say, no, especially at this point, I don't think anybody getting into a relationship with Steve, you know, it could be said that they didn't know what they were getting into. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's on them too. Unless they um, were born yesterday or something. Yeah, totally. Um, but that is, that is such an interesting little tidbit because like this should have been one again I, in my mind this should have been one of the simpler tracks to record it was the um, first song he worked on with dodd on the record also wow god i can imagine dodd wanting to like throw something out a window then because like this i just think this could have been done so simply well it sounds like dodd's the one who complicated it more yeah i mean I, that makes sense and it makes me like it just makes me curious about his touch, right? And his like mm-hmm. a, a sort of like the aesthetic that he goes for because, yeah. Well, he or produced f- Kung Fu Fighting, so. Yeah. What so the he, fuck do you know, Brian? I know. What do I? <laughs> that's the thing, man. Well, and uh, you named a couple. He produced Wildflowers. Yes. Um, so I'm clearly not going to question his bona fides or his ability mm-hmm. to make great records. But like, I'm like, dude, with with the string arrangement, not even talking about the choir, the Fairfield singers, the string arrangement, a part of me wanted to be like, what are you doing? Like, this is not, you don't need all this, you know, like just put the violin on it or do less, do less. Um, and he, there's, it does a lot. And like, it's like Steve could have like been outside smoking a cigarette during 80% of that. And yeah. it wouldn't have taken away from the final product. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, I agree. Um, I do like this song. Um, like I, I wrote, even though it's at the end of a love song sandwich, um, all of them are so unique to each other that it doesn't feel like this part of the record gets tired at all. I agree with that. Like, I, I think that. where we talk all the time on these about how the love songs can lose us. At least we got three unique love songs in a row. Yes. Other than more of the same from each of them, which would certainly make this record not a contender for me. Yep. I if agree. This, if this part of the record lulled, I wouldn't hold it in as high a regard as I do. I totally agree. Um, it never drags. I'll say that there, there, there are no outrageously long songs in this record either. Yes, um, true. Even the, even you know, I think some of them we could probably have stood more. Um, mm-hmm. They, they, this record, the songs in this record tend to kind of get to the point and then get out, which is great. Yep. Um, let's move on to the unrepentant. This is the this, song that gives I Feel All Right a, a contender. Yes, I got it. I fucking love this song. Fuck yeah, man. If it wasn't for I Feel All Right, this would be my favorite song on the record. Guess what, man? This, this is your favorite song? This is my favorite song. Fuck, I was wrong on this one. What did you have? Oh my God, I'm realizing I never wrote one down, but I think I was going to think Hardcore Troubadour. It's up there, but The Unrepentant Man. Damn. dude it's so good it's so good why I is mean, this song so, your favorite song well 
it's got everything that I'm looking for from Steve. It's heavy. Yes. Like I can, this is another song that I don't, I mean, I've only, you know, seen Steve a handful of times. I don't think I've ever heard this one live. I don't know I if it ever makes it play the times I saw him. Dude, I could see this when he's playing a show with a full band being heavy as mm-hmm. fuck. Um, even like slow it down even a tiny little bit more. Um, it's got the twang, it's heavy, it's dynamic. The lyrics are memorable. Um, dude, the like tank is full and the toll is paid, hellbound and determined, standing at hell's door with a bad attitude and a 44. Like this is like it's hard, is, dude. It's hard. Yeah. So I, I feel like this is it's it's showing me that some of the hardness on the hard way, frankly, is still there. Um, because this wasn't on any of the train of coming tracks, you know, and um, yeah. that's probably one of the reasons in my mind that this record as a whole is so great is because he's really combining some of the more, you know, subtle acoustic folksy stuff with some fucking heavy rockers and they're, they're really flowing together on one record. So those are my reasons. Tell me, tell me more about why this is your, you know, second number two with a bullet on this record. I mean, a lot of what you said, like, I think this is one of the meanest sounding of his songs that he has. Mm-hmm. It is just a mean song. Um, It's just, it's, it's fucking brutal. I mean, the, the, the lyric, the, uh, now he's standing at a hell's door with a bad attitude and a 44. The devil said, what's up, man? Now what you come here for? He said, man, let's just get to it. He said, I've always heard that you were a bad one. There's a few places I ain't been, a few things I ain't done. Now you got your pitchfork and I got my gun. Someone's got to do it. Hard shit, dude. dude. Hard as it's fuck. so fucking badass. It, this, yeah. This, like, talking about, like, a song that you feel like you could have gotten more of, I could almost just listen to the song on fucking repeat. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, it's a great driving song. Like, I could, like, I can picture this song in so many different settings. Just, yeah. It just rules. It's so sick. It's so sick. It just, it, it, it sounds like a fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I could see a world where Steve was doing a show with a full band and opened with this. And I would like, you know, would fucking throw a chair or something yeah. like this <laughs> and get removed from the premises immediately. Yeah. But like, you know, yeah. it's, it is that, it's that heavy. Dude, it, 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 it rocks. It's, it's, this is an all time track for me for like if it wasn't for i feel all right and Mm -hmm. how hard that song imprinted on me and how much of how much that song explains everything i love about steve just going off of content this song beats that song love it but it's just for me it just i feel all right just where it is on the record everything about how it how it goes it's Mm -hmm. it but it's this song like leads me into this song too. I, th- I think you and I are exactly on the same page just with like our slight toss up skew yeah. the other way. Yeah, like, dude, put, it's just, yeah. oh man, I like legit, like we're talking about this song right now. I just want to listen to it. Dude, I think right after we finish, I probably <laughs> will. Um, And it also makes it pretty easy for me to, well, I don't know. I might have to include more than one track on the final version before this goes up um maybe, it's always maybe a, end it with this with this one yeah it's always yeah i haven't been ending him with anything and fuck it's it's if you haven't heard it god damn it 
What are you doing? Stop. Pause. The first five seconds of it are just hook. If you are either listening to this and haven't heard this song or you know the song, but it's been a minute, pause right now, this podcast, and listen to The Unrepentant. Absolutely. Yeah. And welcome back. I hope you fucking enjoyed (laughs) rocking out to The Unrepentant. Um, Yeah. Not enough great things to say. It's an all-timer for sure. Yeah. Um, cocaine cannot kill my pain. Cocaine cannot kill my pain. A quick question: Quick question. Is this? Do you know? Are the is the title abbreviated because cocaine would be censored? Or I'm not sure. Yeah. Or maybe he didn't want to run into a uh, long <clears throat> song title situation. Maybe. Yeah. That would. I would. I was just curious if like that was the the reason. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. So we were talking earlier about the bluesy stuff and how I tend to have like a very skeptical ear towards it. This is a, a straight pure blues song that Steve did that I really love. Um, I also think this is the first time I've heard a Dobro like resonator slide guitar on a Steve Earl track. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Um, the, the, the sound of that, of the Dobro is very distinctive and I could be wrong. Um, but I think the combination of that dobro, um, the guitar, the and the, the the drone that I guess is an organ in the background, it's perfect for blues and it's like menacing in just the right way for me. Um and then, you know, I mean, blues bluesy shit hits so different when you know it's coming from someone who really lived it, man. Like this isn't oh, yes. fucking this isn't fucking Eric Clapton. This is Steve Earle. You know what I mean? Like yep. This is real shit. Um, and then I, I just wrote my favorite of the many great lyrics um, on this track. Um, Whiskey got no hold on me, left them chains in Tennessee. Um, yeah, fucking, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So this is... That's pretty good. I mean, there'll be more for us to get into as we explore later records, but this is probably up to this point my favorite of, of Steve's bluesier material. Dude, I wrote something and now I'm like reading it and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking about when I wrote this? Cause I don't remember. <laughs> well, tell us and maybe we can make sense of it together. Well, I think it'll, this will just, we'll call back to this in the future, but I wrote, there are a few tracks sort of like this one, ominous and dark. And I like this one, but there's one on a later record that I absolutely love. And now I can't think of what that one was. <laughs> well, let us know if it comes to you. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll do a callback for sure. Yeah. yeah I like to figure it out. Yeah. Ominous and dark menacing right um oh yeah and i mean too there's there's something too in the listening where it's like you listen you're thinking about cocaine you're thinking about whiskey you know leaving those chains behind or whatever and maybe for a second you're thinking about like oh is this sort of like a lament coming from like a clean person about like i'm off all that stuff but i still got to find a way to kill my pain and it's like no this is about heroin heroin is the only thing (laughs) that works (laughs) And even yep. though I don't do heroin anymore, I still acknowledge that. It, I mean, that was the re- only thing that was fixing this feeling. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, there is a reason, and, and anybody. I mean, it is. This is why this shit, in all of its forms, is so addictive. Um, I had one. We are the wrong people to ask about, you know, any type of like how any type of high feels, um, but. When I had an abscess in my throat at one point, um, the only time I feel lucky, this is the only time 
um, since I was born that I've had to be hospitalized. Um, so I don't know how the fuck it happened. Um, but about 10 years ago, abscess in my throat that I thought it was just like, oh, fuck, I got a sore throat. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it sucks, whatever. Didn't do anything. Finally, after a few days, it sucked. I went to urgent care. <clears throat> Strep test came back negative. Dude was like, yeah, I think, you know, whatever. Super congested. Gave me some yeah. antibiotics. Took him. Couldn't, didn't do anything. But I was still like, you know, work, went to work every day. And I got to a point where swallowing went from just like, oh, it's painful to swallow mm-hmm. to like, oh, I actually can't swallow. Um, <clears throat> and my wife, girlfriend at the time, like, you know, we, this was, we were pretty early in our dating at that point and we didn't live together and like talked to her on the phone. And she was like, you sound so weird right now. Cause you know, I had this thing in my fucking throat anyway. Um, I come over to her house and, um, she's like, she's in residency at the, at that time as a, um, you know, physician in training. And even though she's a psychiatrist um, and the hospital had to kind of play like every role they had and like Mm -hmm. took one look and was like, Oh fuck. um, You got to go to the ER, man. Um, And I was scared enough to, because I couldn't even drink water at that point. Um, But long story short, I just had this big ass abscess um, that they had to, you know, like drain. It's disgusting. But before they do that, since it's down in your throat, they put a shot of morphine in there. Um, and that is the warmest, coziest feeling I've ever had in my fucking life. Um, even though I just had like this little much to basically mm-hmm. numb the pain of them sticking a syringe down my throat to do the gross shit. Um, that tiny little taste of that is like warmth. I remember laying there saying to my wife and being like, see why people fucking love this man. I didn't have a care in the world, you know? And um, there's something about like, I don't know, Steve being still so recently clean, writing a song about like this um, that really I think is intense. There are, man, think about how many people never recover from an addiction to heroin. No, oh, yeah. I mean, you dude, the, the only, like there's, I mean, few times I've been, like I, I had to take Percocets for a fucking for a broken hand at one point in time or after a hand surgery. And I got like dope sick because my body just doesn't take to opiates very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when I was uh, when I was getting my wisdom teeth pulled because mm. I just got them pulled as they came in, I didn't get them like cut out or anything. And so I had to be awake for getting those fuckers yanked and. The first time I I did it, he gave me like the gas, and then like Novocaine me, but I still like could feel. Oh no! Like and he like had to like wrench my tooth out like real hard, and it hurt really bad. And it was also just really uncomfortable having this dude like leaning all of his weight on my fucking head to like mm-hmm. rip my fucking tooth out. And I was firmly sober like while it was happening, as I was like, I was like, oh, it's not gonna be that bad. Like the Novocaine will be fine. Um, so I got my wisdom teeth pulled at like separate occasions. So the next time I went back to get another one pulled, I like, when he wasn't looking, I like covered up like the oxygen part on the laughing gas and just huffed laughing gas for a second. Uh, Cause I was like, I'm going to be loopy for this one. Like, dude, like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to let this go on for 20 seconds of me being in like agonizing pain. I'm going to like medicate this a little bit harder than I did last time. 
and I got high as fuck, dude. And I texted some of my friends who I knew did drugs, and I apparently just said, I get it. <laughs> you heard it here first, gang. This is Tyler Short from Inclination admitting his drug use. No, we'll have to, I mean, I'll, you know, it's out of my hands. We'll have to put this one in front of the council, Tyler. Um, yeah, I mean, I should clearly be on edge it's watch a, from that. It's a, it's a gray area because, yes, it was for a legitimate medical purpose, but you intentionally got as much of it as oh, you could. As much as, <laughs> like, knowing full well the time before, I was like, oh, I'll be fine. You want to know the thing is? The second wisdom tooth popped right out. Oh, of course. So I was high for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there it was a it was a perspective building exercise. Uh -huh. yeah. It is fun when my my wife she drinks, but I think I've seen her drunk like once in our entire life. Um, she you know she has a relationship to moderately enjoying alcohol in a way that was just never modeled for me when I was a kid. So yeah. it was either like, well, you get fucked up, or otherwise, why are you even? touching mm -hmm. this stuff um so it's a you know it's a healthier perspective to have but she uh, had broken her wrist in a pretty bad bike accident and had to have some surgery done and um just some of the funniest shit just did, right after surgery um when she was up and still super loopy we still laugh about it because they like brought her some like crackers to eat, like, you know, literally like saltine mm -hmm. crackers or whatever in bed. And she was just like, Brian, these people are so nice. <laughs> and just kind of like <laughs> in the best mood because they brought That's her awesome. like a little packet of crackers. That's awesome. Dude, anytime I've been in surgery, I never want to leave. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, like I'm the hardest person to get up and get out of the hospital. Like I just want to <laughs> stay there forever. <laughs> So, I mean, anyway, again, even though we've only had these few minor interactions with um, those types of narcotics, um, we get it, man. No. Oh, we, dude, we... The, the hand, the handbrake one of the, the, or the hand surgery or whatever, I just remembered when I got it, they, they hit me with I, I, some, some kind of, uh, some kind of opiate, like intravenously uh, with my, um, before they put me under and when, um, when homegirl was like hitting into my IV, she was like, we're going to give you something for the pain. Um, and then we'll put you under shortly mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, you know, we'll, the surgery will start or whatever. And I, as she pushed it down, I went, but I'm not in any pain. <laughs> she said, Oh, I was like, what's going to happen? She was like, things are going to get really weird. Yeah. And I just immediately passed out. Like That's... I passed out before they even hit me with the anesthesia. I just passed out off the pain drugs. Dude. That, yeah. That doesn't surprise. <laughs> like we're total lightweights then, right? Like yeah. I had, somebody will be like, had a really bad cold and had to be at work and like took like a Dayquil, like half dose of Dayquil. And people are like, well, this is good. You know, you're not supposed to. I'm like, I can't, I can't drive right now, man. <laughs> I yeah, like feel, we're, we're pussies. It's fine. Yeah, I'm sure there are like our our listeners who indulge are probably listening to us two like straight edge old men talking about like those times we had to be on drugs. Yeah, under medical reasons, under medical supervision, just rolling their eyes as hard as they possibly could. Oh um, yeah, Steve included, if he ever hears this. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, man. 
great fucking track and and um, and the song i was thinking of is off of the revolution starts now i looked fuck yeah well we'll get to that we'll get to that soon enough billy and um, bonnie billy and bonnie hey man the mandolin is back mm-hmm. the storytelling is back oh and it's such um, a good story such a good story so you can imagine i love the song um Me too. it's a it's on a on an album full of great songs it's one of my favorites um and damn like such a nice little it's got it's got twists and turns and mm -hmm. betrayal and a, betrayal and a, and a super hard finish too mm -hmm. yeah. oh yeah it's it's great i can't remember what it was that we were we were watching um and then i forgot like i forgot to show her and but we were watching some movie or or some tv show and something was going on in it and i looked at ash and i was like there's a steve Earl song that is like pretty much verbatim what we are watching right now and i can't remember what it was and then i never remembered to like show her later to like connect the two but i've seen something i've seen multiple things in my life that are basically this story played out <laughs> totally um and that well and i just love because it's not just about the betrayal right mm -hmm. and like you know bonnie waiting until he falls asleep and then turning him in and, and pinning everything on him but also convincing the, like, him to do it in the first place <laughs> Convincing him to do it in the first place. And then at the end, like him, like kind of almost like not even being pissed, just being yeah. like, you know what? I'll see you in hell. Your time's coming too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, and hell, whatever it is might be worse than what I get. Cause yeah. you did all this shit and mm -hmm. pinned it on me. Um, yeah, just a fucking, Another example of some of what Steve does as his best as a songwriter. Um, yeah, I'll great. say looking at the looking at the lyrics on the record, it might I think it's the most lyrics of any song on this record. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a it's a full story packed mm -hmm. into what is it like a four minute song? Yeah, it's not even um, that long too. It's yeah, because uh, that's it would be understandable if this needed to drag out a little bit more, but it doesn't. Um. Yeah, it's a good one. I just wrote a fantastic story. This song's cinematic as hell. Totally. Um, South Nashville Blues. We had we had the West Nashville Boogie. Now we have mm -hmm. the South Nashville Blues. Um, I read, I can't remember where, and, and definitely let me know if you've got some stuff on this one, um, is that this is likely an autobiographical tale from Earl's early 90 days after he lost his MCA contract and sort of, you know, fell from grace, as it were. He discussed... This is, he was, you know, obviously addicted to heroin and quasi homeless um, in Nashville for a period. And so everything in here about like Lewis Street and, you know, sort of like him walking up mm -hmm. and down and where he would go to get his fix. Um, very autobiographical. I wrote my favorite lyrics on this one are the I took my pistol and a hundred dollar bill. I had everything I need to get me killed. So there's a couple stories I've heard from him that remind me of this song mm. that I think this song is somewhat related to. So there was, um, and I don't, in the, they, it could even be the same song or the, it could even be the same. It, this could be the same story. I could be mixing up two different stories, but he, so he would go down to this motel to get his, to get his fix or whatever mm -hmm. and um it reminded me very much of like the the motel like the, the in the in him telling the story like i picture the motel from like breaking bad 
the Jesse's yeah. hang, hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was going down there to get to get drugs, and it got raided by the police while he was like on his way there, and he had a pistol, an unregistered pistol, and a hundred dollar bill on him, mm. and if he had been there when it was going down, he very well could have been killed. Yes. Um, but then, so this is where I'm either, this is either the same story or this is two different occasions, but he ended up, he ends up getting dragged out of this place and brought home to his sister's house, either his sister's house or home to where one him and whatever wife was going on at the time. <laughs> yep. Yep. And Towns was waiting for him Mm. because they were like, they had brought Towns in to like talk to him Mm -hmm. and Steve walks into the room and they kind of leave him and Towns alone. And Towns looks at him and says, well, you look like shit. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, are you using clean needles? And he says, yeah. And he goes, let me show you this song I'm working on. (laughs) I was just thinking, I was like, as you were sharing that story, I was like, that's cool. Is Towns really the right person to talk to him about it? And that was when Steve yeah. told this, has yeah. told this story, when I've heard him tell the story, he says, oh, great. I'm going to get like sobriety advice from fucking Towns Van Zandt of all people. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, as soon as he finds out, I'm like using safely. He's like, well, let me show you this. He's just got to get, he's got one of Steve's guitars in his lap. He's like, let me show you this song I'm working on. That's amazing. <laughs> just immediately just like, I don't really care. Using clean needle? All right, man. Yeah. 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 Oh. So, but yeah, I really like this song. The guitar on this track is is really really nice. It's really good. It's awesome. That's that's something I just wrote literally on the way home from work when I was skipping around on the record just to get one last refresher. Like, this this song is awesome. Yeah. This song makes the playlist for me. Absolutely, I agree. It's a really good one. Um, and on to the final track, and this is good timing. I think we're Mm -hmm. right at about where we want to be. Oh yes. Um, you're still standing there. This I wrote. This is very Springsteen. I mean, we talked about the. Oh there's, yeah. There's an explicit Bruce nod. Um, I think earlier. this song kind of sounds like Dylan too. I can totally hear that. I mean, it's it's just it's in the vein of all these troubadours, mm-hmm. right? But but I the it's sort of it's in the way that the acoustic guitar and the harmonica work together. Yes. The lyrics, the chorus, mm-hmm. all of it. Um, Guest Vox by uh, Lucinda Williams. Um, who I don't know if if you've got much familiarity with her. Um, I I fucking love her. I figured, but I don't, I didn't think we had ever talked about her. So yeah, it's nice. One of one of my favorite like female songwriters. Fuck period. Yeah. Full stop. She's great. We'll yeah. we'll spend some time on Lucinda later. I'm sure we have. To. Um, she's fantastic. But this is, I mean, in the book, man. it said that this gets regarded as a lackluster performance from Lucinda Williams. And it made me fucking irate to read that. Yeah. That. It just, I, I think that's just wrong. It sounds, it sounds like classic Lucinda to me. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how she sent. She always that's sounds a little she slurred. Sounds. Yes. She, that's her style. She sounds like she might be a little drunk every time mm-hmm. you hear her. That's, that's her, that's her fucking voice. She's great. Yep. <laughs> you know like, that's that, that like it literally made me irate to hear someone critique my girl like i was yeah i was i was in in the other night when i was gi- giving us you know i was working overnight and i was given this it's cursory daily listen that i do when 
in between these episodes, I'll listen to these records almost every day. That's at amazing. Least once. Um, and after I listened to this, I went straight into Happy Woman Blues and straight into Ramblin' on My Mind. Like oh, I listened to those yeah, in a row because I was like, man, I just want to listen to her now. Like that's so good. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I I will say, dude, this is one of the strongest last songs we've talked about. This might be the the first one since Down the Road that I like. Mm, yeah, because we've talked about that. There's a theme of sometimes to come to Valley doesn't count. Yeah, I agree. And you know some of there's there's a few forgettable songs at the end of of some of the records. Um, this or is songs not I would just straight up leave off. Right. Um, this works. I mean, again, it's just damn. And I love the line, um, "Your memory cannot keep me warm, but it never leaves me cold." Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something too about that where it's sort of like interesting perspective of like, yeah, well, I can't hold you, but there's a little bit of like, Hey, better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. You know what I mean? Like this, mm-hmm. I've lived it and I'm, I'm grateful to have had the experience. Um, but yeah, I think Lucinda's great on this. I think it's, um, just a damn good song. And again, like the harmonica works, like it's, it's easy to have harmonicas be an afterthought. And I feel like that's not the case on this record. Like the way that Steve uses the harmonica. Yes. Every time it comes on this record is like a true, you know, like musical, you know, like valuable addition rather than just like, I got this thing hanging around, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what helps me think of Dylan when it comes to this song in particular, but it's not like the only reason, but it definitely doesn't hurt. I can totally hear that. I can totally hear that. Yeah. My mind, went to Bruce first, but I mean, we're, I think we're all drawn from the same well here. Yeah. I mean, um, I, Dylan's was where I started my, uh, folk interest. So it makes sense because Bruce is kind of closer to where you started yours. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, but I think we're hearing the same thing and making yeah. the same point. Different sides of the same coin. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, no man, dude, this record's so good. It's, it's, it's great. Like it's not in my top five, but it could be in my top six. Like, if I had to add one more, this might be the one that gets tacked on the end. Like it's as a whole, just a fucking great time. And if like, if anything, like I'm, I know like friends I've talked to with, you know, about us doing this podcast and whatnot that weren't as familiar with some Steve records. If anything, like us talking about this will hopefully have gotten some of our friends to listen to it. I think so. I think it definitely will. It's well worth it. Yeah, absolutely worth it. So, y'all, anybody again, who stops at Copperhead Road is fucking up, fucking up bad, really. So much. I mean, in, in both the studio stuff, Aviator, everything. Um, well, y'all, as always, we appreciate you listening. Um, I feel all right. It's a fucking great record, Tyler. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yes, follow the Instagram. Look at pictures of this record. The layout's really cool. It's beautiful. Um, And thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.